Chapter 11 of King Mambo. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Paul Harvey. King Mambo by Paul Ducheyu. Chapter 11. Wonder of the Natives at my Waterbury Clock, Magnet, Matches, and Music Box, Character of Mambo's Plantation. The following morning I got up before anyone, and immediately wound my Waterbury Clock and hung it on the wall under the veranda. Tick-tock it went. Close to it I put my music box, which immediately began to play, my magnet, and a box of matches. Then I went back into my little house and kept quiet there, watching through a crack to see what would happen outside. After a while, Rugundo came out. The noise of the clock and of the music box attracted his attention. He looked at them with wonder but did not dare to approach them. He went to his house and soon came back with his wife, and the two kept looking and listening to the music and the tick of the clock. Soon, Oshoria, Ogula, Nugola, and Kwabi made their appearance, and these warriors, who had faced death so many times without fear, were afraid. They all remained silent and spellbound before the Waterbury clock and the music box. I came out, and we saluted each other. Rugundo, pointing with his finger to the clock, said, Oguitzi, are there many spirits in this box? Are they speaking to you now? Or are they talking among themselves? I did not answer, but laughed at his question. Then they all went away. It is wonderful how fast news travels in the forest, and the news of my arrival, and of the clock, the music box, and the matches, had spread far and wide, and all the slaves of King Mambo, of his brothers, and of other great men of the neighborhood, came in the afternoon to see the Oguitzi and the wonderful things he had with him. Quite a change had taken place in the appearance of all the women from the day before. They had made their toilet in order to appear beautiful before me. They had rubbed their bodies with a compound called yombo, composed of oil and a powder made from a kind of odiferous redwood which made their bodies fragrant. Each wore a string of beads round her waist. Their hair was filled with little clay balls of the size of peas mixed with yombo, they were more or less tattooed. Some had tattooing peculiar to the tribe to which they belonged, which was thought most beautiful among the people who used it. Some had two broad stripes, made of a mass of small spots, drawn from the back of the neck, joining another broad stripe, imitating a belt which went around their waists. Others had different figures on their stomachs. Others broad stripes, starting from their shoulders, forming a triangle with the apex downward. Each woman brought a present of food to me, a bunch of plantains or chicken, a basket of sweet potatoes, of peanuts or eggs. I thanked them for their gifts and gave to each a string of beads to put round their waist. Then Rugundo gave me a goat. Oshoria, Ogula, Nagola, Kwabi laid before me a huge python about 18 feet long, two monkeys, a gazelle they had killed in the morning, and said, Oguitzi, eat those. And the crowd shouted, You shall never be hungry while you are with us.
Suddenly, a man I had not seen before made his appearance. I noticed that the people looked upon him with reverence. He was entirely covered with charms, and his body was painted in different colors. He was old, tall, very dark. His teeth had been filed to a point. His body was tattooed all over with strange figures of beasts and men. His name was Anguka, and he was a great medicine man who had the reputation of making most powerful charms by incantations. He made mondas to protect men against witchcraft and to make them invulnerable against spears, arrows, or bullets. Others of his mondas were supposed to give long life and luck in hunting and fishing. When men started for warlike or hunting expeditions, they would always send for Anguka beforehand. And after numerous incantations, he would tell whether they should go or not. Above all, he could find out who were sorcerers or witches. Anguka, who was on one of his plantations, had come with his slaves to see the Oguitsi. The first thing he did was to look at the clock and music box and listen to them. But after all, though a great medicine man, he was not braver than the rest of the people on this occasion and he would not come near the clock or music box. To all the natives, the clock and music box were supernatural things far above their idols. Spirits dwelt there, talking to me in a language that was very peculiar and that nobody but I could understand. I did not wonder at their wonder, for they never had seen a clock or music box in their lives. How could such noise come out unless there were life inside. Raising my voice, I said, Men and women, look at me. Then I took my box of matches and lighted one before them. A wild shout was uttered by all at the same time. They did not seem to believe their own eyes. I shouted again, Look at me. Then came a profound silence. I lighted another match, another shout of astonishment. Then with one voice they cried, Great indeed is our Oguitsi, the friend of King Mambo. Then I took my magnet, and I told Rugundo to give me the small knife he had by his side. He did so. I placed it next to the magnet where it held fast. Another wild shout of wonder was the result. Then I told Eshunga, Rugundo's wife, to bring me an iron needle, one of their own make. Then they saw the needle hang to the magnet without falling. And as I put the needle upon the stool upon which I had been seated, they saw the needle fly to the magnet. There was a great silence during this exhibition of the power of the magnet. Then rose a mighty shout from the throats of all, even from Anguka, the great medicine man. I did not want Anguka to be jealous, so I made friends with him and presented him with five matches. In his eyes, it was a very great gift, for which he thanked me, and then he invited me to come to his plantation. Then I called Rugondo and Oshoria and told them to fill their pipes with tobacco, which they did. Put them in your mouths. I will light them with this, I said to them showing them a match at the same time. As they seemed afraid, I said, 
be without fear, for I, the Oguitsi, am your friend. I lighted a match, put it over the pipe of Rugundo, and ordered him to smoke. When they saw the smoke coming out of the pipe, a tremendous shout arose. There was no mistake. Their eyes did not deceive them. It was real fire. Then Oshoria wanted his pipe lighted also. And after him, nearly all the men and women filled their pipes and asked me to light theirs for them also. I lighted over 50 pipes. After this, I called the great medicine man and taking my watch out of my pocket, held it to his ear. He jumped when he heard a tick and shouted his astonishment. Then I went into my little house and came out with Omemba, the stick of King Mambo. And at its sight, they all shouted, We will obey you. The penalty for any man taking Omemba without its being given to him by King Mambo was death. The hunters and I became good friends at once, and almost every evening some of them came to see me. One evening, as I was seated by a blazing fire which threw its light around us, I said to those about me, Tell me how you travel and how you go hunting in this great forest. Rigundo got up and replied, In the forest there are many paths. These lead from one village to another or from one tribe to another or to the plantations. Among many tribes, the paths used as highways of communication have to pass through the villages. And if one wishes to avoid those villages, he has to go through the forest until he gets by. There are many hunting paths. These are not easy to follow, for they are all little used, and often they are very intricate, and it is difficult to find the way back. There are also paths used to mislead people. Often these end abruptly in the forest, just as hunting paths do. End of chapter 11. Recording by Paul Harvey.